We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, November 17th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Derek Van Riper is back with me today. Like every Friday, we're going to go over the news notes, uh, etc. But first, Thursday night, um, Antonio Brown, not bad. No, not bad at all. And, um, you think about players and how important they are to their teams. I mean, Antonio Brown for the Steelers right now, critically important to making Ben Roethlisberger at least passable as a quarterback. I mean, really, when you kind of think about it uh, in another context, look at Eli Manning without Odell Beckham. Like that's sort of what I think Roethlisberger would look like if injuries were to befall Antonio Brown at this stage. Yep. Um, other side of the ball, Marcus Mariota. Okay, first of all, Remember what I said last week about the Titans, and I said it yesterday to Tim, that last week I thought they'd go to 6-3, and three, and I'd still kind of shrug my shoulders and wonder how good they were. Um, yes. I'm still now, um, I, I feel validated that I'm not sure how good they are. They're like a super strange team. I mean, they're 6-4, and four, so they're still very much in the thick of uh, the playoff race. I mean, they could win a division title. Like, that's well within their reach right now. But then you look at him and you're like, why isn't this team better? And Marcus Mariota, you know, I know he's been hurt this year, but he just hasn't played 
at a level that's even equal to what he did in his second season. And last night we saw the four picks. He was sacked five times. Pittsburgh def- Pittsburgh's defense is good. That's one of the things that needs to be accounted for. But Mariota for the season now has more picks than TD passes. Mm-hmm. So when do we start to look at him and say, all right, it's either Mariota or it's Mike Malarkey or it's some combination of both because they added talent to the receiving core. And even though Corey Davis has been hurt a lot this year, Eric Decker's been there. They still have Walker. They still have Matthews. They have two running backs that should at least be good, even if they're not great players. I mean, Murray should at least be competent. And Henry, I was one of the people that liked Henry coming into the year. You know, why why aren't they getting more out of this personnel? Because Mariota, I thought, could take a step forward. And he hasn't at all. He's gone the other way. Right. I agree. Um, And he looked bad last night. Just looked bad. Um, He did, however, from a fantasy standpoint, so he threw the four picks, but he had he was over three hundred. He had a rushing touchdown. He had a passing touchdown, and he had another passing touch. Another pass dropped by Delaney Walker. So he could have, if that had been caught, the fantasy night would have been respectable. And I don't think we expected more than that versus the Steelers. No, I sat him in a super flex league and played Case Keenum home against the Rams this Whoa. weekend. There you go. So it was he Mariota did better than I thought with the with the, because of the rushing TD getting right. chipped in. Uh, so my, my concerns I think were largely correct, but the rushing TD kind of skews the outcome in a way where I'm now I'm, now I'm fearing that Keenum might fall a little short right. of, of what Mariota did. Okay. Um, everybody, before we get to the rest of the uh, week 11 preview, check us out on Twitter. Derek is at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Jay Hoppin 37. You can also get us as we say all the time at Rotowire or get the player updates, uh, the feed at Rotowire NFL. And of course, you can find us on Facebook for all those. If you have any questions, whatever it may be about start sits, injuries, etc., we'll be happy to help. All right, let's get to week 11 buys, Panthers, Colts, Jets, Niners. As a reminder, um, the big news today, and we're doing this Friday at about four o'clock Eastern, uh, Leonard Fournette questionable. Um, as you told me before we started, Doug Marone said they're being cautious, um, did not practice Friday. Right. And now because they're playing the Browns, we probably should worry. Yes, we should. And that game, it's supposed to have some kind of cold weather wind, some things that would make it a real like run heavy sort of situation, uh, just based on. You know, not being able to throw the ball much and not having four nets kind of a big deal for the Jags. I mean, it's a, it's a step down, a big step down from him to whatever combination of Chris Ivory, TJ Yeldon, uh, whatever they, whatever they do instead. I mean, Corey Grant had a long TV run last week. How do they do it? How do they keep finding random backs in that team that can go off with small carries? I, I don't know. Maybe the run blocking is a lot better. That could be a big part of it too. But with four Looks like a pretty clear game time decision. The only kind of saving grace is that you'll know 90 minutes before the first wave of kickoffs if Fournette is going to try and play or not. If he's active, do you see him getting more than 15 carries? If if they're being cautious, probably not. You need to revise your expectations, I would guess, even for an active Fournette. Yeah, I, I kind of see it that way too, where... You, get, you dial back the, the carries if he plays and game flow could immediately change. If they go up early, it could just be a lot of ivory and Yeldon and that's it. It's done. And, and Fournette just rests. But being cautious at limited practices, Wednesday, Thursday, no practice Friday. 
if I had to guess as for right now, I'm I'm not convinced he's going to play at all. I think he may just be inactive. They may decide that resting him for another week, possibly two, is going to be the way to go. Maybe they brought him back too soon, and that's why he didn't take advantage of a good matchup last week in his first game back from the injury against the Chargers. All right, so the benching happened in week nine against the Bengals, right? Yep. So that game... Bortles threw 38 passes, which is awfully high for him. I mean, last week he threw more, but that was a total, you know, Fournette had that little injury and there was some wackiness in the overtime and all that. Um, They don't like Bortles to throw 38 times, but without Fournette, they did. People have been, as the president says, people are saying that that Fournette, I mean, sorry, Bortles might be a decent matchup play due to the Browns' poor defense. Does he become more of a good matchup play if Fournette is out? You know, on the, on the volume standpoint, yes. But then does does that enable the Browns to worry less about the run, drop more help into coverage, and effectively limit a pretty banged-up receiving core? I mean, that's, that's not a group of pass catchers that you feel that good about. The Browns a few weeks ago were, I think, as bad as any team in the league yardage-wise on a per-attempt basis as far as what they were allowing – they're still a bottom 10 defense, 7.6 YPA. Uh, they've allowed a passer rating of 104.4 to opposing quarterbacks this season. So Bortles, I think in season long where you don't really like what you have, or maybe if you're in uh, a Cam Newton situation with the Panthers on by and you got to pick some up off the waiver wire. Sure. Bortles could be okay in that situation. I just don't know if I'm comfortable enough with the way they're built using him as my quarterback in DFS. I realize the, the low ownership probability uh, is is there and I just think the the payoff still could be you know 240 and a couple TDs not not, not the sort of game changing 353 score game that you'd want to win a tournament okay um Fournette owners should go get Ivory right I know Yeldon got some work last week but when Fournette was out Ivory was the it, they used both but Ivory was the early down and probably goal line guy yeah, that's probably a pretty clear timeshare, though. I could see Yeldon catching some of the passes, too. Ivory, Ivory's not as much of a, a pass-catching zero as we might have thought earlier in his career. I think we talked about it when Fournette was out a few weeks ago. Right. I, I, I think carries maybe 60-40 favoring Ivory, catches close to 50-50 between the two. And Cleveland is not bad against the run. Like That's, that's right. the other wrinkle here is that you know Fournette would have been fine. You play him because the volume's there and everything's great when he gets 15 carries or more. And that's what you'd expect. But I think the Browns can kind of you know, keep this one a little closer than they, they should if Fournette doesn't go. And I think that's where my hesitation with Bortles is. And that's where my expectations are somewhat tempered with those two backs who have to share. All right. The other news, not big news. Um, that happened on, I think Wednesday, Tyrod Taylor benched in favor of Nathan Peterman doesn't really I don't think it, it the only fantasy fallout from there for me is that we run to get the Chargers defense if we can and they're surprisingly low owned on Yahoo if if I remember correctly right tough assignment for Peterman I mean I don't think anybody loves the receivers the Bills have at their disposal this game opened with an over under of 44 and the Chargers favored by four. Now it's down to 42 and a half, and the Chargers are favored by six. So 
Vegas or the public or some combination of Vegas and the public seems to have decided that Tyrod Taylor is worth two points on the line right. based on how it's shifted. So, again, I don't know if that's the Vegas adjustment just based on what they see or if money just started flowing in on the Chargers and they had to adjust because of that. But nevertheless, it moved two points. With Peterman, I didn't watch Pitt a lot when he was there. Uh, confession, I know people are going to be really surprised and disappointed. Come on! So I didn't watch Pitt a lot. I know he didn't turn the ball over a ton. Uh, pass catchers were you know, pretty good for a group of, of college pass catchers. I don't know how much they're going to entrust him to do. I think the, the key for the Bills in that game is just Shady McCoy running well against a Chargers run defense that's pretty soft where their pass defense is good. Like yep. th- that's a that's a tough draw for an experienced quarterback. So it's all kind of about what they can do up front and whether or not they can move the ball effectively on the ground with Deshaun McCoy. I mean, Peterman, I think on most sites is priced at the salary floor from a DFS perspective. I don't see tournament appeal there. I think this is actually going to be a really rough go of it for him. And if the Bills top 20 points in this game, I would be surprised. OK, um, one other note, but two things. First, the Charger defense, if you're interested, is 28% owned on Yahoo. The second thing, back to the previous Jags-Browns game, the other wrinkle we didn't talk about, two to four inches of snow expected in Cleveland. So I don't know exactly the timing of that right now. But uh, yeah. wind gusts, winds from west-northwest 20, um, up gusts up to 40 miles per hour. So it, It's up. safe to say, yeah, we've hit that point in the year where the weather needs to be looked at closely you, you can kind of get by the first half of the year not thinking too much about it because there's something you know like a, a major storm a hurricane grade storm that's going to impact a game is happening we, we just we hear about that it's it's like national news that we kind of come across but the, the cold windy snowy conditions now that creep up over a good chunk of nfl cities that's very much in play and wind sounds like it's going to be a problem in at least three different games this week outstanding Nothing I like better on a Sunday morning than people asking for my weather prognostications. Nothing. You don't feel like you're an expert in meteorology? What should I do about – and I understand people have questions. I don't want to mock people with questions. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if it's windy, be careful. <laughs> I mean, I don't – like how is the wind going to affect it? What's the weather? How's the rain going to affect it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, there's so many variables. I mean, the, the type of passing game you have – can be more or less impacted by heavy winds. I mean, if you throw a ton of short passes, the big gusts don't matter as much. But if you're a team that throws a lot of you know, long passes downfield, runs a lot of vertical routes, that changes your game plan a lot more. So yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of wrinkles that kind of shape the magnitude of the impact the weather has on each team. And then it could always be forecasted at, at a certain level and conditions around kickoff are kind of looking like that. And then it just, it changes, you know, it's, it's the weather. It's what it does sometimes. Right. And don't blame me and Derek, if the weather changes everybody. All right. Injuries, other stuff. Uh, let's see out Jordan Reed, duh, Terrell Pryor, uh, Ty Montgomery. It sounds like these are out or most likely out. Ty Montgomery lays are doesn't, doesn't look good. Not officially out yet, but I hadn't checked in probably an hour or so. Uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, Alan Hearns and uh, very importantly, not a fantasy player uh, looks doesn't look good for Tyron Smith again, does it? No, they're going to probably do something different. Uh, the Chaz Green left tackle experiment 
appears to be over for now. Interestingly, uh, talking to Mario Puig earlier in the day about that, Green, I guess, was more of a guard prospect than a tackle. So to throw him in at left tackle was probably a stretch to begin with. And of course, you know, results-based analysis, it did not go well. <laughs> so, you know, they'll make an adjustment. Philly's better up front than Atlanta. Atlanta's not bad up front either. It's just Philly's got even more depth. So I think there's going to be some issues for the Cowboys again. I don't look at Dak as a guy that has to be avoided, but I just think, you know, the ceiling might be somewhat limited. I think his appeal this week, Dak's appeal is there mostly because he's priced with the elite quarterbacks right now. And I think that will keep the ownership rate down. So it's more of just a, a game theory call where the matchup is probably of the top five quarterbacks, just as tough as anyone else's or the toughest of the bunch. I would say because you know, Carson Wentz going up against Dallas, you're not worried about Dallas's secondary. The pass rush is, is a lot better now than it was at the beginning of the season. Brady and Carr. I mean, everyone's expecting that game to light up the scoreboard and for good reason. And Breeze is at home against Washington. So while they run, they're running the ball a lot more. If Breeze and Prescott are similar in price, I would think most people would feel a little better about Drew Breeze's floor right now. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I've just checked some uh, Twitter. Tyron Smith ruled out for the Cowboys. So, dun, dun, dun. Um, Danny Woodhead sounds like he's going to play. How interested are you? Um, not really interested right now. I mean, in like a full PPR 14 team league where you got two running backs and a flex, he's rosterable. I wonder how much they would actually use him in this first game back. I mean, that's a factor. They've got a crowded backfield anyway. I would need to see if they decide to deactivate one of, of West or Buck Allen, I would assume it'd be West, but you never know. And then if that's the case, then you feel a little better about it, right? If, if they somehow keep four running backs active on game day, which Goodness. I really don't think they would, that would just make the situation, which is already dicey with, with Collins kind of leading the way. Uh, it'd make it even worse. I mean, Collins coming off a game against Tennessee, just 43 yards on those 13 carries. Is Collins just kind of like another LeGarrette Blunt type, like a guy that the team will never let him catch passes. The per carry numbers might be good. And the difference is, you know, instead of being on the 2016 Patriots, Alex Collins plays for the 2017 Ravens and they don't score that much. So then it's decent yardage, but not enough to really carry his value because he so rarely finds the end zone. I don't know. And in this game, I don't know if he will, if if the finding the end zone is as daunting a proposition, I know the Packer run defense uh, can be good, but um, yeah, the per, uh, implied point total for the Ravens is 20. Ugh. The thing is, I like how you watch Alex Collins and you go, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. You know, he's had, some, I mean, every time they give him a chance, he does well, he produces. I mean, except maybe the last game. You know, so I don't know. I understand what you're saying that that he's a he he he's an early down back on a bad offense. So yeah, there's limitations. Um, so yeah, Woodhead definitely mucks this. Like I don't want Woodhead, but Woodhead makes me want the other guys less. Well, in in Tennessee, who they played before the their bye week, is pretty good against the run. Three point six yards per carry. I mean, they're a top five run defense from a yardage perspective. Only four rushing TDs allowed all year. So. Collins not running well against them isn't necessarily, you know, an indictment of his lack of ability. Like I, I do think he's a, he's a solid player and the Packers are one of those teams also that maybe is better against the run than people realize, 
Um, and I watch them all the time. So I, I realize how bad they are against the pass. And that kind of opens things up for a lot of teams. Can the Ravens game plan in a way that exploits that about the Packers defense? I mean, there's only been a handful of games where Flacco's had to air it out a lot. And at the beginning of the year, I mean, I think coming off the back injury, not having a, a training camp or a preseason, that kind of made sense. Like the, the rust was there physically. Maybe the shots downfield were something you wanted to avoid. But look at his attempts since week six, 41, 39, uh, only 15 playing the first half in a game where he got concussed and then 52 against the Titans. So <laughs> things have trended up quite a bit with his attempts. Uh, I started talking about this with Vlad on Wednesday with the DFS episode, but Flacco as a streamer and season long and, and maybe even as your, your last GPP lineup, your, your last three, $5, whatever, whatever your, your cheapest tournament multi-entry tournament entry is that you like to throw out there. Flacco might be worth playing this week in that kind of scenario that, well, Hey, you know what? Everybody else is chasing Brady and Carr, and I'm just going to do something totally different. Open up a bunch of cash for the, the Gronks and the cream hunts and, Flacco is going to be my guy and you just cross your fingers and he throws it 35 plus times against a soft Green Bay secondary. Good Lord. It makes it's logical. It just makes me ill to think about doing that. But I understand what you're saying. The key, John, as I have advised before, is to probably go Edward 40 hands uh, at 10 a.m. and and then set the lineup or do the six pack uh, in the shower. I mean, again, this a level of drinking I really don't advise people to truly do, but that's what it would take to have the courage in many cases to follow through on it. Yep. Um, or probably less courage required for a better DFS player who says, I don't care about your stinking um, normal logical stuff. Um, all right. Who do you want to see? I'm trying to think every week we talk about the guys you're curious about. Um, the one, one guy I want to talk about first Mike Evans is how much do you trust Mike Evans against the Dolphins with Fitz? I trust Mike Evans with pretty much any quarterback because, I mean, think about Mike Evans in Jameis Winston's first two seasons when Winston was all over the place. Like, I still liked Evans in, in those spots. And Fitz knows that. To move the ball of that offense, you have to keep Mike Evans involved. Come on, anybody anybody can figure that out. Uh, the Miami defense, I mean, easier to run on them than to throw on them, but not not prohibitively difficult to throw on either. Like This, this could be a high-scoring game. Vlad suggested it Wednesday, and I, I think he's right. I think this is one of those games that, from a, a fan standpoint, if you're a fan of the Bucks, you're a fan of the Dolphins, you're just ticked off at how your teams look, and you're not really excited to watch your team every Sunday. But from a fantasy standpoint, season long and DFS, you know, if you're rolling Evans, I like him a ton in DFS this week. The price is down a little bit on FanDuel in particular. Uh, Deshaun Jackson hasn't come through for me yet in GPPs. Uh, Jarvis Landry is really nicely priced. I mean, you got set up with the running backs, too, where even like a Kenyon Drake, if you're in a position where you have to play him in season long, you're kind of fascinated by the possibility of him getting an uptick in carries. They're still going to use right. some kind of timeshare. But he's shown he's he's got some big playability. Maybe he carries 14 or 15 times this week. Maybe Doug Martin actually is useful in this matchup. I guy, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so optimistic today compared to uh, most other Fridays when we're talking. Maybe it's Friday, so I'm, I'm feeling good. But 4.4 4 
yards per attempt allowed for the season by the Dolphins. And that's coming off a game Monday night against Carolina where they just looked miserable out there. Right. Game stack. Bucks Dolphins game stack. That'll differentiate you from the crowd right there. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to chase Patriots Raiders and I get it. And I'm not fading that game. I think you got to choose your spots carefully and you know look to make sure you get exposure to some other spots. This is one of them where the, the over under total to me in this one is just as goofy as Rams Vikings, but in the other direction, like got I think it. this, I think Bucks Dolphins should be higher. I think Rams Vikings because of the quality of the defense, it should be lower. And I, I know I'm, I'm dead wrong about the Vikings Redskins a week ago, but I'm, I'm going to try to stick to my guns here and just go right back to it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I see 20 to 17 for Vikings Rams. I agree with you. I, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Um, can Tevin Coleman run on the Seahawks? Uh, I, I like Seattle's run defense. And I, I thought even a few weeks ago, I think when like week six, week seven, we were talking at that time, they were a surprisingly bad run defense based on the yardage totals. I mean, the DeMarco Murray long TD they gave up in week three. I think it might have been it was a while ago. Now they had a few bad performances that kind of skewed the numbers earlier in the season. And now they're trending back to where you'd expect them to be. The long answer I think he can be fine from a season-long perspective. He's no more than a contrarian GPP play in DFS this week. I mean, they're kind of middle of the pack right now. Four yards per attempt is that Seattle defense. Eight rushing scores. Um, what do you make of, of Dan Quinn, though? The former defensive coordinator going up against the Seattle defense that doesn't have Richard Sherman for this week and for the rest of the season. Do you think Dan Quinn can game plan something that takes advantage of any weaknesses that this defense may have, especially without Sherman. I don't know. I don't know how much that is a factor this many years down the road with that. Similar, some of the same personnel and scheme, but I don't know that that, I, I don't, I don't know that I would think about that is what I'm trying to say. So, um, so to your point about Coleman, I have him as my ninth running back this week. Am hmm. I? That's that's aggressive. Well, you got to play him in DFS. If you have him as your ninth ranked running back, that's yeah. enough confidence to use him in a tournament lineup somewhere. Because if it happens, if you're right, you're getting him at what two percent ownership. Uh, I don't know. I think you're going to get him at more than that. With hang on, Fanduel. Um, Oh no, it's a Monday night game. So he's yeah, not, that, he's that, not that, in the main pool. Right. That kind of that skews it, because I mean, when he's not in the main pool, there will be some attention paid to him. The game theory changes a lot. But you gotta enter a contest that includes Monday night then. And yeah. then then he will be extremely low owned. Like if you if you do the Sunday plus Monday, no one's no one's rolling Tevin Coleman out there. All right. Um I mentioned this one the other day. I, I and I think I mentioned it to you Monday and I talked to I know I talked to Jake about it Tuesday. Um, Samaj P. Ryan. I know these aren't your same old saints. So I don't, you know, it's not like I'm saying, woohoo, a guy against the saints. That's not it. But the way Gruden was talking about with Rob Kelly done. So he's out of the, he's out of our way now. We don't have to worry about him anymore. If you're a P. Ryan owner. And Gruden talking about P. Ryan the other day saying, you know, oh, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to get stronger as it goes on. Low center of gravity, powerful runner, blah, 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 blah. So, Yes, he's going to use Chris Thompson a decent amount, but if he's able to run, I mean, I, I think P. Ryan gets 14, 15 carries in this game. 
I think you're right because I think that's about what Kelly would get in this game plan. The only thing that you have to be on alert for is Washington starting to get boat raced in the first half. Mm-hmm. Because if that happens, P. Ryan's not on the field. Like he's caught six passes in nine games this year. They're Chris Thompson will be on the field for the entire second half if the Saints have a two TD lead at halftime, which I know is is actually kind of an outlier sort of prediction. That's not typically how games work. I, the Saints are, are are just kind of scary now. Like they're actually good defensively. They run it well, and I think the the amazing thing about all this. Eventually, teams are going to start scheming more to stop Mark Ingram and Elvin Kamara. And when they do, Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn are going to be going off for big plays over the top. Like right. this, this is if they stay healthy, especially if Lattimore and the key pieces on the defense stay healthy. And this is the team they have going into January. I think you're looking at like Eagles Saints as your matchup right now in the NFC championship game. Wow. That's I like that one. That's a fun and I I thought I thought Sean Payton after the way the season started, I was kind of like, did Sean Payton just like fade out? Is this is this done? Is he is he on the way out? Like I, I legitimately thought early in the year that they were just going to completely fall apart. And to their credit, yep. they, they got rid of Peterson. They ran with the two guys who are clearly better players at the stage of their respective careers. And it's paying off for them in a big way. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I agree. It's, 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 they, they are, they are the best. I don't know if they, I think they're the best story as good as the Eagles are. I think the saints are the best story. Cause we all thought there were going to be horrible defense, bad team. And, 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 and they're going to throw a ton as usual. Yeah. The saints and the Rams, I mean, the Rams being yeah. as good as they are. Look, you could have been as high as anybody on Sean McVay coming into the year, but you would have thought, wild card at best right i mean they're seven and two right like they they're they're playing at a level that could give them a first round buy in the playoffs which would have been crazy talk at the end of the preseason no matter how good you felt about what you saw the rams doing in the preseason or how good you felt about the personnel changes and the coaching changes nobody was calling them as a mega success i i thought the 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 boldest that i could go was Hey, if you could bet the Rams to get a wild card at like plus four fifty, maybe that would be a good bet. Like that was, and that's not even, it's a wild card. Come on. Like right. it doesn't take that much. Usually it's nine wins or 10 wins that gets you there. Yep. All right. Fair enough. The Rams are a better story than the Saints. I agree. But they're both, but see, the thing is, I think, I think you make a good point. The Saint people are going to overlook the Saints success in some ways because they've had it before and they're just doing it a totally different way, which is what makes it so interesting to me. Yes, Absolutely. It's really the you know Saints ground and pound. What, what was the stat after last week? I know they go at six rushing touchdowns, but the stat after last week was on the season they have more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns. And over the last fifteen years, that's only happened over a full season nine times. And of all teams doing that, the Saints. It's amazing. Yeah, it they really would is. have maybe been the second or third team from the bottom you'd expect to do that. Right. Like it'd be it'd be weirder if the Patriots. Or the Packers have been expected to do it only because you have Brady and Rodgers even a notch above Breeze at this stage of, of where they're at, too. So, yeah, 14 rushing scores for the Saints, 142.2 yards per game. Uh, only, I think only the Jags are averaging more rushing yards per game as a team. The other Cowboys are a tick above that, too. That will be changing soon. So, yeah, uh, look, look for the Saints to move up another notch this week. And I, I, just, I think when you look at Washington, the pricing on... Vernon Davis with Jordan Reed out 
puts him in play. You can yes. see a lot of volume for the passing game. So Vernon Davis is one of your cheap tight ends you can play. And Jamison Crowder, not a player I typically like that much, but he's been getting a ton of targets. He is close to, what, 5400 or something on FanDuel. It's really low price on Crowder. Uh, it might be chalky, but it's going to open up a lot of cash that you need to upgrade other spots. Yep, he is 5400 You are correct. Last two games, 13 and 11 targets for Crowder. So, yep, that's a good point. Um, all right, the other guy I wanted to talk about is, speaking of targets, Bruce Ellington on the Texans. The so he's gotten eight each of the last two games. So over those sixteen targets, I mean it is Tom Savage, um, seven catches for sixty three yards. So not much going on there. But the there has been some success going with the sort of non Patrick Peterson receiver against the Cardinals. Bruce Ellington, how how what kind of fly? I mean, yeah, you, you can always say in DFS, oh, that guy's worth a tournament. Role. I mean, and you can say that about a lot of people. Season long, could you be tempted to start Bruce Ellington in maybe like a full PPR or something? Yeah, you could if you had some injuries chipping away. But I think you want like a fourteen team three receiver scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that puts him kind of like in the fringe of the top forty. Will Fuller being out just makes him that number two. I think if the tight ends were a little healthier. You know, a Fedorowicz type would be more intriguing to me. But I think with Fedorowicz, you know, it's six targets, two catches, 10 yards last week against the Rams. It's like 2A and 2B. And I like some of their tight ends better so around the price you'd pay for Fedorowicz. So that's that's the difference for me in that regard. Uh, but I don't I don't have any Ellington lineups built yet. I understand why people are doing it. I think the. The game between Houston and Arizona, Blaine Gabbert getting the start now for the Cardinals. Houston's defense just ravaged by injuries. I don't know what to expect in this one. Is it going to be just a field goal fest? I mean, it's indoors, so conditions will be good for that. Phil Dawson's been missing a weird amount of field goals this year, so there's that to look forward to. Like, Is there any value in that game? Is there anyone people are overlooking? Ellington might be that guy. Is there anyone on the Arizona side that you like even – even straight up, like, how do you feel right now if you're a Larry Fitzgerald owner or an Adrian Peterson owner? Uh, pretty. I mean, I feel like I'm using Peterson because I know he's going to get the ball a lot, and I don't think that it's 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 an easily projectable blowout by the Cardinal. Sorry, the Texans. So that means game. If if that's true, game script is is in Peterson's favor somewhat. If it's a close game, uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't feel good if I'm a Fitz owner. Not at all. I mean, I don't think Gabbert's appreciably worse than Stanton if he's worse at all. Um, but yeah, I don't feel that good about the the rest of the Cardinals. I, I know, and I don't know what to make of this game because these teams are just not that good. I think I tend to think it could be a low scoring field goal fest to what to what you were saying. Um, who do you want to see? Who are you curious about? Oh, is the Brett Hundley from last week even remotely real? Like this, this will be a good test. The Ravens defense will will come ready to play. I mean, over under is like thirty eight in that game. Uh, so Hundley, I want to see Devonte Mays. I Mario has hyped him to the point where I want him to get at least some carries. But if he's if he's better than Jamal Williams, as Mario suggests, why isn't Mike McCarthy seeing that? You know, that's always <laughs> the frustrating thing is when uh, people who analyze prospects 
tell you like this, this guy's better. And then finally they get their chance and you're like, that guy is better. Why, why can't the coaches see it? They watch him every day. Uh, it's kind of like when you said with Pirine, you know, Gruden praising Samaje Pirine now to me, it feels like just, Hey, I got to pat this guy on the back because he's my guy. Now he's my new fat Rob. Like I thought Rob <laughs> Kelly was better than Samaje Pirine, but now Pirine's a starter. So I have to pretend like I'm happy about this. I thought Samaje Pirine was better than Rob Kelly, you know, two and a half months ago. Right. Um, how I think he's going to be used this week kind of hurts his value, but Pirine's on my list too. Mays uh, for the Packers, Hunley, and I guess the Green Bay secondary. It's a Packer-centric sort of uh, mindset for me, as, as it often is. The, with the Rams and, and Vikings, I want to see if the Vikings start to use Xavier Rhodes on Robert Woods <laughs> instead of Sammy Watkins. Like, Is that what Sean McVay is up to? Just giving away Sammy Watkins and then eventually when teams uh, decide, oh, Robert Woods is the guy to cover, then Sammy Watkins shows up again. Like That's kind of interesting to me. Um, I want to see why I'm so wrong about the over under with with the Vikings again this week. Like that that's kind of fascinating to me. I don't want to see anything from Jacksonville and Cleveland. I don't want to see anything from Arizona and Houston. I hope those games are completely off the red zone channel outside <laughs> of like Jacksonville fumble recovery TDs and pick sixes. Like I, I just I want nothing to do with anybody in either of those two games. Uh, I want to see Jay like show up and, and light up the scoreboard in Miami and then walk off the field smoking a giant stogie. Yes. That, that's like, that's exactly what I want to see. Like the doll, the dolphins go to five and five and, and Jay Cutler is just walking into the tunnel with a, a big smoke cloud coming out like that. That's exactly what I want to see there. Mike Evans coming off that one game suspension. I, I think he's going to go crazy. Chiefs Kareem hunt. I want to see Kareem hunt get a real workload again. Because Andy Reid screwed that up against Dallas, I think, with a bye week to let that one simmer. Reid's going to come back with a vengeance. Windy conditions there expected, uh, John. So I think that's also, great. aside from the Chiefs being favored by 10, conditions where short passes to hunt and running the ball are something the Chiefs are going to do quite a bit. All right. Um, yeah, I like hunt too because people. I feel like people are a little, little – the hunt owners are getting a little restless after the last few games. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they – I mean, they should be a little bit. It's been been a little while since he found the end zone. Uh, and like everybody, Patriots, Raiders, even Eagles, Cowboys, relative to the other games I'm focused on, it's a, it's a little like I, I like watching the Eagles right now. I'm sick of watching the Cowboys. I, I just, yeah, if they can't run the ball, they're going to be in trouble. But Falcons, Seahawks should even be a good game, too. So I'm just looking forward to like a late afternoon game that's really good. A Sunday night game that's solid and a Monday night game that should also be very good. All right. Um, yeah, those hunt owners. can't believe he's, he's not going to get 200 yards from scrimmage every week. Those poor people, I feel terrible for them. Well, yeah, look at the game log. It, it's like every couple of weeks it gets chopped in half, the, the fantasy point output. So the trend is not good. The trend is like six points for about four to six weeks, and then they shut them down or something like that. So it's, it's yeah, I, I don't believe in that being an actual trend at all. It's just the way it's worked out so far. Um, he's going to go off against the Giants. At least I think he's going to go off. I think he would probably will too, because that's just a disaster. Um, all right, this is our weekly name an unusual guy in one of your lineups. Oh, let's see. What did I do that was weird this week? IDPs don't count for this, right? Because no. enough people don't play in uh, IDP leagues. The fishbowl play for me this week. 
Yeah, I don't know if I have one, John. Like, I think my lineups are, are kind of normal. I don't have a ton of week 11 buys that I'm dealing with. So who would it be? Give me a minute. Who's, who's yours? Uh, in Fishbowl, which, as we talked about, is an 11-man start with two quarterbacks, uh, Dontrell Inman, which I don't think is a terrible one. I picked him up could, this week. It could, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. Right. I mean, he you know, six passes last week. He might be Trubisky's guy. Um, the other one in the... Uh, I'm in an, in the league in Adenuf with uh, Pichanki actually, and my team's awful. And I needed a tight end because I think I think I had Ebron, and I <laughs> and I don't want to play him. Um, I picked up Julius Thomas because I think that Bucks Dolphins could have a lot of points, and they seem to be trying to go toward Thomas a little bit more lately. Okay, no, I think that that's, that's very logical. I think for me it is going to be Fishbowl though. I'm looking at it right now, and I have to start one of. Jamal Charles, Mike Gillisley is probably not going to be active, so he's Oof. out. Uh, Brandon Oliver, Paul Perkins, Jacquez Rogers, or Mike Tolbert. I think Tolbert's out too. I was going to so, say, some of those guys don't even play. So Jamal Charles is in my lineup, and that is weird because he's part of a, a trio right now, and I don't have a lot of confidence in any one of those three guys until they consolidate down to two. So Jamal Charles at this stage in a three-man timeshare, I feel like is a pretty strange play. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Um Good luck if you have similar, similarly weird starters, everybody. All right, FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, and they start at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Um, all right, so we talked about some guys. Bruce Ellington, 4,600. Uh, P. Ryan, Ryan's 5,400. I love that one. I guarantee you I'm playing P. Ryan right here. So I'm actually going to, but I have FanDuel open right now. I'm doing a, uh, a large tournament, small entry fee. And I just plopped Pirine in there along with Mike Evans and Vernon Davis. And I think I'm going to go to the Rotowire optimizer to finish off my lineup. It's a good way to go. If you don't really have a, a strong lean to fill those last couple spots, you know, get the, get the base you want, run it, see what it recommends. If you don't like one of the things it recommends, you can always exclude players, run it again and, Find a lineup that uh, is is truly optimal for uh, for your needs. I'm looking at my lineups right now on FanDuel, and I've got uh, one unique lineup. I, I've got one that's just I, I think no one else is going to play this exact line. I'm not going to give everybody that's in it just for the sake of someone not copying me or anything like that. But I do have a, a Flacco Macklin duo going nice. in, in the uh, in the old seven dollar giant field gpp like i'm i'm taking my shot i'll probably be wrong flacco will probably throw for 85 yards and that'll be that but hey you know what he he died doing what he loves <laughs> and by the way i'm i'm uh i'm changing the one i just said because i just said p ryan and vernon davis and i don't think i want two skins in a tournament lineup like that so p ryan's mm. in davis is out yeah, that's going extremely against the grain that you'd have two because yeah p ryan gets like two on the ground and Davis gets the only two that cousins throws. Yeah, then no way you're in great shape, but that's a highly unusual scenario. So I went Bruce Ellington instead of Davis in the, as my third man in and the, the, the optimizer would figure out the rest. 
All right, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, you can't beat this, everybody. Sign up today, fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million. That's the one Derek was just talking about. $7 to get in there, but you get in for free. It offers more than $1 million in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. So just make, make a deposit. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Make a deposit. Get all those things. It's a really, really great offer. Uh, if you want to play DFS this weekend, this is this is the way to get in. All right, visit fanduel.com slash RW. Check it out. Thanks, FanDuel, and that's void where prohibited. Um, all right, who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? Go. Brandon Cooks uh, and Mike oh. Evans as receivers. I mean, everyone loves them, but how do you not? It's such a great setup. The over-under in that Patriots-Raiders game goes up, I feel like, every time that I look at it. Uh, they're my two favorite receivers this week. I think Brady easily my top quarterback. So the Brady cooks pairing is the way I'm going. Hopefully it's not a big Gronk week, uh, in the sense of, you know, requiring Gronk to win GPPs. I've got him in season long league, so he can score and, and do like a you know, normal Gronk game. I just don't want him to have his best game of the year this week when I don't have him going at his prices. Jay Ajayi, like the more I talked about it with Vlad on Wednesday, like I, I, I it might be chalky. Mario kind of seemed like he was not really in on a Jai. I think the Eagles have, if not the best offensive line in the league, one of the best offensive lines in the league. He's under 7,000 on FanDuel. I love what I saw in the first game that he played with them against Denver. The workload has to go up. And I think the, the counterpoint Mario made, and I, I think this is one people might be thinking about right now, is that the Eagles have been rotating back so much. You know, mm-hmm. Corey Clement getting first quarter touches and stuff like that. I think they brought in Jay Ajayi to not have to do that quite so much. I, mean, I, I really think they want Ajayi to be the featured back. And if they use Corey Clement as a, a pass catching compliment, so be it. But I think you're just going to see a little more of like a streamlined backfield now that they have a guy they really like with Jay Ajayi there. See, I don't know if I buy that. I'm worried about the rotation, too, because Blunt, I know they like Ajayi better than Blunt. I don't know if Blunt gets you know, zero, one or two carries. I think it's more like six or seven. So I worry. I think because he was getting double digits pretty much every week before Ajayi got there, it it's easy to, to be kind of locked in on that. And the only time he didn't, he played six snaps against the chiefs, but with Ajayi there, when Ajayi had a couple days essentially to get up to speed with the playbook, the Garrett Blunt, Went from 35 snaps against San Francisco to 16 against Denver. The I lowest know. total he'd played since week two. To me, that was foreshadowing. That's a sign of, of what's to come from the Eagles' backfield. All right. So I have this team. It's in a league with uh, football diehards. Who am I playing this week? I don't know how I'm playing this. Anyway, so I, I've been doing well. I mean, my record is six and four, which is not great, but the point total is pretty good. My team's been humming. So I have Wentz and Jeffrey. I mean, I have Wentz, Jeffrey, Mike Evans, Keaton Allen, Ingram, team strong. But I have Jay Ajayi as my second running back. And I'm looking now, and after that trade, I went, oof, that's a lot of Eagles. You know? It's, it's weird. I, I, I mean, I got three guys from what has been arguably the best offense in the league. And I'm just not totally thrilled about it. Well, it, it caps your upside in some weeks because they can only, as a team, put up ridiculous numbers so often. Right. Can't be every week. So, I mean, Carson Wentz, though, on a 
fantasy points basis, I think has been the highest scoring quarterback in pretty much all formats yeah. this season. He's been that good. So you're in a good spot. I think the the thing I would probably look at doing is is moving one of them just to divest a little bit and and to try and, you know, maybe buy in on a maybe a I don't know, can you get Brandon Cooks in a trade right now? This might be the last last hurrah for trades. He's he's been good, not elite or close. You know, he, I guess when I say Brandon Cooks has been good, not elite. I was the guy suggesting that maybe there was an Antonio Brown type season coming from Cooks. Right. I am admitting this because when I'm wrong, I will remind you that I was wrong. <laughs> that's just how I am. Like, I I'm not the guy that's going to be only here when I'm right and then nowhere to be found when I'm wrong. Like, I I thought we'd get more from Cooks and, you know, maybe that's still happening down the stretch. But anyway, I if I had three Eagles I was relying on really heavily, I don't like to have three of any player players from any team in my starting lineup week in, week out. I generally yeah. try to avoid that just to have a higher week to week ceiling for my team. All right. So I might, I might have to get to the trade war. All right. That's a good that's good advice. I appreciate that. See, I'm, I'm, I'm only here to get help for myself, everyone. Well, it's, it's easy to look at a team like that and be like, ah, oh, this team's really good, though. And I, if you had a bunch, like I have a team where I have a lot of Patriots, but it's an NFFC team, so I can't make any trades. But if I could, I probably would make some trades because, I mean, Cooks and Gronk, okay, so maybe you got two pass catchers there, but then if you're also rolling out like Amendola or something, like, what are you doing? Like, they all can't go off. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Right, it doesn't. All right, um, I really like Rivers. Against the Bills. I think the Bills are imploding. And I think they're going to get scorched again. And and I, I, I kind of like Rivers sitting in this spot right here. He's got to finish the concussion protocol. They I think know. he's going to play. It's just like full practice. check it over the course of the weekend. Yeah, he's obviously making some kind of progress because he wouldn't be practicing if he were if he weren't making progress. But just to be safe, make sure he's out there. Yeah. What are you doing with Melvin Gordon right now? I mean, this should be a spot where he can get right and and turn things around after a uh, disappointing showing against the Jags. And I think there was a disagreement that I had with Mario earlier today about the quality of the Jags run defense. I think they've improved in recent weeks. Uh, you, you look at this as, as it's a good defense overall. And I think the Jets got him like week four. But more recently, they've been much more stout. And I think as you see Marcel Darius continue to play more and more for them, they're only going to get better in that phase. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I, if I'm looking at Mel, I know Austin Eckler had the big game and that's, that's never a good sign when one guy goes off against the same defense, the starter, you know, couldn't break down, but Melvin Gordon before the bye week had the long TD run 132 yards and a score against the Patriots. You go back to the week six game against Oakland, like one, 50 from scrimmage, two TDs there, two scores against the Giants, over 100 yards on the ground in week five. He's had some, he's had some monster games. So do you look at him as a guy that is playing at less than 100% or do you look at him as a guy that's just caught a couple of tough matchups with the Broncos and Jags that have really kind of skewed the perception of what he's really been doing this season? I hope it's the latter because I figured after the bye week he had, you know, he had time to rest from the injuries that might have been bothering him and things were going to be good. And then you look at those numbers last week, he goes, Ooh. but yeah, I think this is a get right game for him. I really do. So, um, but yeah, the thing is even the last week, I think you and I talked Monday, you do you worry about Gordon just because Eckler got 15 touches? 
You know, I mean, Gordon mm. got a good good amount of work too. Gordon got twenty one touches last week against the Jags. Yeah, twenty one. Mm-hmm. And Eagler got fifteen. And you kind of go, oh, if I'm a Gordon owner, I, I don't like what I'm seeing from Eagler, but Gordon still got his. I mean, he didn't get the production, but it's not like they were phasing him out or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, they had like sixty nine offensive snaps, so their highest since week five. So they they ran quite a few plays. I think the, the Austin Eckler. Eckler, Eckler. I, I thought know. it was Eckler. I could be wrong. I thought I heard Eckler, but you know, I'm so, I'm yeah. sorry to mispronounce names. I hate when I do. I, I I don't know either. I I didn't hear a Chargers announcer say his name, and I'm blanking on what what they were saying on Red Zone. But how much of of, of Eckler getting more involved? Eckler. I'm going to go with Eckler for now. All right. How much how much of his increased involvement is tied to the Jags being so good in the secondary that you you don't want to take shots downfield? I mean, Philip Rivers doesn't throw the ball downfield particularly well at this stage of his career, especially. So with that, I just wonder if that was just the ultimate, Hey, this is a week where we can use two running backs because the short passing game needs to be a bigger part of what we do. And then, you know, against the bills, they might be more willing to take those at least intermediate routes again, where Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams and, and Travis Benjamin, those guys get a little more involved. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think, there's going to be, like, I think they could score 40, so I think this could be sort of a bonanza kind of deal. And I think Eckler is probably the guy who I would, I mean, it, it's hard to say fade him because it's not like everybody's using him, but he would be the guy I think, you know, maybe maybe he kind of goes back to being, you know, second banana and, and not doing much. That, that seems like the most like most likely scenario, right? Is it just the, the big Austin Eckler game? Last week is like the last big game he has this season, barring a Gordon injury. Yep. Probably true. All right. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? I, I, I'm, I might go back on Fedorowicz. Hmm. Just because last week he was on the field a lot. He got thrown to a decent amount. We know that last year they threw to him plenty. I, you know, again, it, it's, it's hard to count. I mean, you know, your, your, your buy-in is cheap on him, whether it's DFS or, you know, you want to pick him up off a wire if you have, let's say, uh, Jack Doyle out or something like that. But yeah, I can see this one. Yeah, I can see that, uh, at, at tight end, you know, at FanDuel, especially at the big four, but then if you're anywhere else, if you don't have an elite tight end season long and you want to kind of save money, Jared Cook's going to be kind of the other option to Vernon Davis in the sub six K range on right. FanDuel. Cause Cook's been pretty involved. And I think if you look at in Oakland, I mean, Crabtree's kind of taken over as the number one overall this season. But Amari Cooper's target share has gone up a lot the last three games. The Patriots the could put Stephon Gilmore on one of those guys. Which receiver that is, to me, it's just a complete guess. I'm not really worried about Cook seeing that kind of coverage. And even if you want limited exposure to Patriots Raiders in a tournament because you're you know, convinced that most of the pool is going to be heavily invested. Then you want to kind of look for someone else. That's not a cooks or a Brady or a car or a Gronk as right. a building block. And cook kind of scratches that itch. All right. That's a good one. I like that. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stay away from uh, Travis Kelsey in a lot of situations, but oh, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody wants a piece of Travis Kelsey this week. God, what a great, what a good, what, what just what a ridiculously good set. It, it doesn't get better than this. And he's the third most expensive tight end on FanDuel. Gronk and Ertz are ahead of him. <sighs> I can't believe against the Giants. 
that price on FanDuel is going to make the ownership rate even crazier. Yeah, it is. Everyone's going to want Travis Kelsey. All right. Um, I, I think that's it. We've got enough. We covered enough players. We did all right. Um, listeners to our podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site, including that DFS optimizer that I'm going to use as soon as we stop recording. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. All right, week 11 common, Derek. We've got Tim Heaney with uh, his Facebook Live Q&A, noon Eastern on Sunday. What else is happening between now, which is late Friday afternoon, and Sunday kickoff? Well, already up Mario's film review. I highly recommend checking that out. And uh, yeah, the DFS tools will continue to update the projections as news kind of rolls in for the rest of the weekend. So definitely check those out. Awesome. All right. Good luck this weekend, whatever your whatever games and leagues and lineups you have. Okay. Oh, yeah. You too. And uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, Wisconsin Michigan game early. Is it 11 11 a.m. for you guys? Post slate. Say that again. Sorry, I lost you for a second there. Yeah, 11 a.m. Eastern? 11, uh, well, uh, noon Eastern, right? 11, oh, 11 Central. Right, right, right. But it's supposed to be the best game of the day. It's a weak college football day, so you'll get the, the great game in early. All right. Uh, I'll check that one out. Okay, everybody. Uh, thanks again for the reviews and the ratings. We really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Our Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Our next episode's coming on Monday. Derek and I will wrap up the weekend, so please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week 11. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.